0: Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm very important. Uh, I have any leather-bound book, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I, I'm friends with Merlin Olsen too. He comes over on occasion. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Why's it still tapping over here? Why's the metronome going? Because it's a new version of GarageBand and settings are all fucked up. There I just turned off the metronome. I can't sing worth a shit, but these new settings are fucking hard to figure out because I'm a fucking idiot. And I don't know anything, I don't do any show prep, so I just turn on the microphone and hit record, and then when the settings are fucked up, I don't know what to do, and I just fix it on the fly, because this podcast is so unprofessional. Okay, hey everybody, how's it going? This is Johnny Doe, your host of Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K, the coolest name of any podcast in history. Have you missed me? I've missed you guys. I haven't done a podcast in a couple weeks. This is my first one in the month of June. This is episode 30. And, uh, you know, we're going to kind of keep this loosey-goosey because, uh, you know, a lot of different reasons. One, um, if you didn't figure out by that awesome intro that I just did, um... So I, I opened up GarageBand and realized that I have a new version, an updated version. And it's, you know, it's relatively the same. But the but when you open up the home screen, of course, my default settings were, uh, they all reverted back to whatever the default settings are in this new version. And buttons are in different places. And long story short, um, I didn't have all my settings, just perfect. So, but... Um, it looks like pretty much the same thing. Um, I don't know what new features there are, uh, besides just, like I said, when I opened up the different audio tracks and stuff like that, the uh, little the little user interface is a little bit different, but uh, let's see. I don't know what noise gate is. What is this? Master Echo. Let's turn the Echo up. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. Oh, there's a reverb function, okay. Oh, that's kind of cool. Okay. So that's just, uh, hmm. Maybe I should just make a podcast of just me trying to learn GarageBand again. Let me go ahead and sip into the microphone. Since everybody likes it so much when I do that, especially if they got earbuds in, uh, you can really hear it really clearly. And nobody likes me gulping my coffee into their ear. Hold on. Hold on, this is just for those people. Okay, check this out. Taking another drink. Uh, damn. I kind of like that. It's like you're tripping. Are just mouth noises. i um, musical people. scene Hold on. Let me try this. Let me turn these back up again. <laughs> what, do, what do you think that noise is? What'd you guys think that noise was? Call 888-212-7432 and tell me what you think. Hey, Bob, you're on the air. Hello, Johnny. I believe that that noise was you finger-fucking your own asshole. Uh, Thank you, Bobby. you win two tickets to see Beauty and the Beast live at the amphitheater this Sunday night. Hope you got a pretty little lady in your life. You can take her. Let's go to... Uh... Line number four. Hello, you're on the air with Johnny Doe. Hey, Johnny. Uh, My name's Kurt. What's going on, Kurt? Nothing nothing much. Hey, uh, why are you starting a podcast like this and talking about finger-fucking your butthole? (laughs) That's crazy there. Let's go to line number seven now. Bert. Bert, you're live on the air with Johnny Doe. Hey, Johnny. First time caller long-time listener. (laughs) I've never heard that before. Go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, I'm wanting to know when you're going to get on with the podcast uh, (laughs) because this isn't very entertaining to me. Well, that's a great question. I'll go ahead and uh, go ahead and take your answer off the air there, Kurt. Let me just hang up on you, motherfucker. And uh, let's go ahead and go to line 73. Line 73, you are on the air with Johnny Doe. This is Strange Things Foot at the Circle K. What's your question? Right now, over here. Yeah, you know, this went off the rails pretty quick. But I, I just need some content to put up right now. So I'm just going to act silly. Deal with it. Just I'm going to rebrand this as just the Silly Boy Podcast. And no, I'm not drunk. because I don't drink except this fine coffee you know we lost a sponsor if you've listened to this podcast before you know I have official unofficial sponsors and I alluded the last podcast that I stopped drinking NOS well guess what I've continued to stop drinking it I don't know if you can continue to not do something or continue to stop whatever I'm not doing it anymore I'm not drinking it I still have the same can sitting in my refrigerator staring at me every day But it's kind of a, it's supposed to be symbolic of, you know, it's not willpower if I don't have one in the house, but it's willpower when every day I open the refrigerator, it's sitting there looking at me. So it's been probably three weeks since I've had one and uh, no side effects to speak of. And I'm uh, supplementing it with uh, a buy. It's called uh, buy Drink. It's, it's like a flavored water, basically. But they they have these new little, um, I don't know, they're in a can. There are only five calories, no sugar, no artificial sweeteners, any of that shit. So, you know, it's a little bit better for you. Well, a lot better than 27 grams of sugar that's in a <clears throat> NOS Energy drink. and doesn't have caffeine or anything. It's like a sparkling water. But um, I, I drink those now because, you know, it kind of gives me that sensation of popping the, popping the can open. Uh, I like drinking from a can, so yeah, that's what I'm drinking instead. So no reason why I stopped, uh, except I had to fast right before I did my physical for the army, and uh, so I couldn't have any caffeine in the morning or anything like that, and so I didn't have my NOS, and then when I got back, I don't like to drink it after a certain time of day, and long story short, I just kind of, you know, I didn't really have any adverse side effects to not having one. And so the next morning I said, hey, let me see if I can uh how how long I can keep this going. So yeah, I'm just not drinking energy drinks anymore. So about time, right? All right. <clears throat> this is Strange Things Are Foot of the Circle K. I'm your host, Johnny Doe. You're the everyday American. Uh this podcast went off the rails pretty quick. But um that's what's that's what's great, the beauty of the format of podcast. Let me let me go ahead and, and kinda of get into this for a second. I, I love podcasting, um, for a couple of reasons. One, and this isn't like a self deprecating thing or like a woe is me. It just it just is what it is. No one listens to this fucking thing. Very few people. I mean, um, you know, when you look at my analytics, which I do maybe once a month, I mean it shows I have, you know, a few hundred downloads and and uh, subscribers, or what have you. But, um, you know, I'm not stupid. I know that there's podcasts I subscribe to that I never listen to. And, and, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I don't get any feedback from this. I don't have anybody that's, that's, uh, you know, a fan base to speak of. So uh, I can just do whatever the fuck I want. And there, it's a very freeing thing. And so I enjoy that. I, uh, not that I, I wouldn't enjoy um, feedback and people, but, you know, when you do get feedback, when, um, you know that you have a following or a fan base or whatever else, then, then you have people to disappoint. I disappoint no one with this. Um, if anything, it's something for my wife and I to, to enjoy and listen to. And it is kind of fun just to put it out there and listen to it or listen to it with some friends or whatever else. And, and, uh, you know, if nothing else, I get entertained by it. So, um, whatever. So, What I'm saying is it kind of frees me up to do whatever the fuck I want for a format. Let me take it down and drink coffee. This coffee's almost done. Uh, Okay. I'm probably going to have to go get a bottle of water and pause this or something because my throat gets dry when I talk, and I don't have anything else up here, I don't think. Nope. Okay. So what's been going on in my life? Hey, well, how rude of me. What's been going on with you people? That's interesting. Okay, so about me, what's been going on with my life? Hmm. Why haven't I done a podcast in a while? Well, I've uh, been extremely busy with uh, army shit, and oh, my little doggy came up here. What's up, buddy? Um, been been real busy and uh, getting ready to move. I think I said in my last podcast that I took another job and I'm going to be moving. Uh, ways away across the country. And trying to facilitate that move is um, has proven to be more difficult than I thought. As far as just the logistical side, the uh, the the stress of trying to sell my house at the same time I was trying to buy a house and then I decided I don't think I want to buy a house. Let me just rent for a while then trying to find a good rental property that will take dogs, um, that's affordable. Is next to impossible, especially when you are a thousand miles away and you can't just, yeah, you know, go look at shit. And it it, it it's became uh, extremely problematic. But so all last week I went up to where I am moving, which is Sheridan, Wyoming. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, if you've never been, boy, are you missing out. It's a uh, wow. It's a it's a beautiful city. Um, it's a beautiful part of the country. Um, man, this, this country is just fantastic. United States of America, man, we got it all. You know, you go to some places, um, and they got some countries, you know, have a little bit of everything, but United States has everything. No matter if you find the desert that's beautiful or, you know, uh, the forests or, um, you know, port cities or, you know, um, you know, oceanside cities or mountains or, or you know high plains or deserts whatever man we got it that's what's awesome um i've lived in the midwest most of my life and so i've i'm used to you know a certain type of beauty but um up there in uh the rocky mountain area it's just beautiful country you know i've never lived around the mountains the closest thing is my year over in afghanistan and the hindu kush mountains but um I really liked that, I liked uh, the mountains, I liked the, the, the climate, and long story short, I, you know, um, when I went up to Wyoming, I was kind of blown away by the scenery, so um, pleasantly surprised there, but I went up there for a purpose, it wasn't tourism, it wasn't trying to, it wasn't trying to, um, you know, take a bunch of pictures or have any fun, it was house hunting, And just getting a lay of the land. So I drove up there. Took me a day and a half pretty much to to drive up there. Um, Took my new Jeep. Broke it in by going on some mountain trails. That was kind of cool. Yeah, road trips are fun. But I did it by myself. Because my wife needed to be here to take care of the dogs. And she's coaching summer volleyball and other stuff like that. So anyway, I digress. Went up there. And, uh, decided to look at some houses and realize that I don't think I can get a house in time that I'm supposed to move up there. And let me preface it with this. When, when you are getting transferred to another duty location in the military, um, you can't really start your moving process until you get orders. And then this, uh, depending on what those orders say, you know Those orders give you a report time and all that stuff, and then you can start the process. Well, if you're just a regular active duty soldier, usually get those orders a couple months in advance, and you can start the moving process, or at least you get some kind of letter that tells you when you're going, all that stuff, right? Well, I had no idea um, when or even if I was going until I got the job, and then I had to go up there and in process and And uh, then they cut my orders. And so um, transferring from one state to another, there's just a lot of logistical issues. And long story short, they don't give you much time to try to figure this stuff out. And so even though the Army will pay your moving expenses and stuff like that, um, it's still a logistical nightmare is because I'm supposed to be up there in less than a month, like three weeks from now and there is no way that the army can move me probably for another couple months so that means if i let the army do it where it's all paid for they do all the work they come pack up all your shit they transfer it <clears throat> they transport it and all that good stuff and unload it and unpack it and you know all that jazz if you let them do that you're going to be up th- i'm going to be up there working for A good month at the very least with none of my shit, which is kind of hard not to have a bed, not to have, you know, all the all the crap you need, couch, you know, furniture, whatever, computer podcasting equipment. So uh, the other choice that I have is it's called a do it yourself move where the army just reimburses you. you pay for it. Army reimburses you. Uh, we'll we'll see if I want to go that route or not. Um, but anyway, so trying to figure out all that. Then trying to figure out, okay, I only have, you know, only had like about a month's notice to get ready for this move. Uh, put my house on the market. Uh, had a lot of showings, but still no offers yet. So that's kind of stressing me out going, okay, what happens if I don't sell my house? Well, The real estate up there is what I'm going to be paying in rent is about twice as much as what my mortgage is now. So not only am I going to be paying twice as much, but I'm still going to be paying my mortgage here. So that's stressful. Well, my wife had to also resign her job uh, and try to get another one when we get up there. So that's stressful because now we're making significantly less money. And so the stress of moving... The stress of all the other shit that I have to do for the military um, as far as certifications and trying to get a new government credit card and and all my medical shit and turning in all my supply shit. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff and I'm still doing my regular job is uh, the stress is, I don't want to say unbearable, but it's definitely getting to me. So. I drove up there to kind of get a lay of the land, try to find a rental property at least. I found a couple things that um, I don't want to say are, are perfect, but it, it's it's one of those any port in the storm sort of sort of things where I have two dogs, two bulldogs, and they're really good dogs. Um, I've I, I one of them I had when I lived in a little duplex that didn't have a yard or anything or a, a fenced-in yard, I should say. And, um, you know, we live like that for a year. Um, just took him on walks all the time and, and made it work. So it looks like we're going to have to do something like that again, uh, because I can't find anything that fits our needs that has a fenced in yard. Um, one thing about rental properties where I'm moving to and just rental properties in general, I'm sure whatever town you're listening to this in, it's, you probably run into this. Um, there's not a lot of nice properties, uh, that will allow pets, unless it's like a small dog or a small cat. And it's understandable. They're afraid of you wrecking their fucking shit, right? <clears throat> but one thing I will say is every place I've ever stayed at, you always got to give like a pretty substantial security deposit. And a lot of times they even charge you extra for having dogs. So I've never understood that where, okay, if I'm paying, you know, $1,300 for rent and you charge me an extra hundred bucks or $25 per dog, let's say an extra 50 bucks and I sign a year lease. Okay. So that's an extra $600 you're getting. Plus my security deposit of 1300 fucking dollars. So you got a swing of, you almost got two grand. Now you really think my dogs can do $2,000 worth of damage to your fucking house. I mean, what are they going to do that cost two thousand dollars are they going to eat a furnace you know so i've never quite understood i know it's a headache uh, if you had to fix something or if a dog pisses on the carpet and you got to change your carpet or something. I, I get it it's a it's a pain in the butt but isn't that the whole point of a security deposit and that the so anyway my point is is uh it's it's very hard and my dogs are they mean everything to me they're my children you know Oh, you know, if you had children, you wouldn't say, "Yeah, but well, I don't." So these are my children, and I love them to death. Uh, I'm not ever getting rid of them. Um, one day they'll die, obviously, but until that day comes, I need to find a place that will accept them, and we'll make everything else work. If we got to walk them, you know, and and uh, you know, do whatever we got to do to make sure that they, um can stay with us and be happy and all that stuff, then I'm going to do that. And that means paying a little bit more in rent than I wanted to pay and getting a place that's a little bit, it's definitely not out of our price range, but when I'm paying a mortgage on top of that and my wife still didn't have a job, it's definitely out of our price range. So that's stressing me out. Um, so there's, there's just a lot of logistical shit. Now, with all that being said, this is kind of... Um, wh- why I'm saying all this is because we I brought it up on a previous podcast when I uh, if you listen to podcasts maybe you know episode early 20s I think I was talking about needing kind of being at a point in my life where I, I needed some new challenges that I need some changes and I, and I alluded to some changes that are coming. At the at that time, I didn't know about this job. I didn't know I'd be applying for it. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I was going to be searching for a new challenge in my life, <clears throat> something that was going to um, kind of throw a monkey wrench into my comfortable life. And trust me, I've thrown a couple of monkey wrenches in. Now, it might sound like I'm being, that I'm reg- regretting my decision Absolutely not, um, but when I alluded to needing a challenge, this is exactly is what I was talking about. Is when you get out of your comfort zone, when you start doing something that is difficult and it's stressful, and there's a lot of unknowns, um, it builds character, and it you you really learn a lot about yourself. And, like, my wife and I have a fantastic relationship where I don't think we've ever got into, like, an actual fight, like, yelling at each other or anything. In five years, I don't think we've ever yelled at one another. We've had a couple, like, intense discussions and stuff, uh, but only a couple. And we've already had a couple intense discussions over this move just because we're both stressed out. It has nothing else to do with that except we're just on, both on kind of pins and needles right now just trying to figure out how to how to make all this work. And that's what I mean is is I know if I snap at her or if I'm a little crabby or whatever else because I'm stressed out that that is telling me um, how I act under less than ideal conditions. And if you can perform well in less than ideal conditions, then how are you going to perform when you have ideal conditions? And so in my life, in the last you know year or so, I've had um, ideal conditions when it comes to just my personal life. It's been very easy. And I go to work, and that's been pretty much my, my only stressor. And then when I come home, It's it's I get along with my wife, my dogs. I, I like my house. I like my neighborhood. I like the car I drive. Uh, you know, I like what I do in my spare time and it's all been good, right? But through this new endeavor, it is definitely brought to light that, uh, you know, I pride myself in, in that I can perform well in stressful situations. It's one of the reasons why I've always enjoyed the military. Uh, I enjoy going to combat because of those things. But it's also shown me that you know, I'm not as unflappable as I thought is that just regular stress like this has, has made me uh, bitchy and snippy and that. And that shows that I have a deficiency that I need to, um, deal with it in a more constructive way. And it's, when when it's all said and done, it's exhilarating to go through that is because you can assess yourself in those situations and go, okay, I need to do better next time. But if you were never put in that situation, there's nothing to assess. And so um, I've, you know it, it, I'm kind of in the middle of it right now. And so I'm, I'm definitely not at the end, but you know, after it's all said and done and the smoke clears, it's real easy for people just to go, oh yeah, it was just, I was just stressed out. But I'm in the moment now and I'm saying I need to do better. I need to do a better job of, of not having unrealistic expectations of the situation. And just know that there's a certain amount of unpredictability and chaos that comes with any decision like this. So what I alluded to, um, you know, months ago in my podcast, um, this is why I wanted a new challenge. I wanted to get out of my comfortable life because the only way that you can ever grow or evolve, and if you, no matter if you're a person, you're a plant, nature, anything, the, the only thing that spurs growth is adversity. No matter if you're lifting weights, the only way to get bigger or stronger is to lift bigger, heavier weights or lift them more times. And so that's what I'm trying to do in my life. That's what I've, how I've always lived my life, except that, you know in the last couple of years, I've definitely um, kind of been coasting a little bit. So, um, yeah, my life is – my comfortable life is about to get very hard uh, very quickly, at least in the short term. But – and this is a big butt. This is a big Kim Kardashian ass. Um, I don't invest in stocks. You know, I have a little bit of a retirement fund. I don't really invest in real estate. I don't invest in uh, mutual funds or anything like that. What I invest isn't like a capital investment. What I do with my capital is I is I find a way to invest in myself as a person. And I'm going to be spending a lot of money and losing a lot of money moving. And I'm definitely going to be taking a step back um, in the short term. But it's kind of a social experiment for me. Because I believe, and if you listen to this podcast a year from now, I think I'm going to be in a better place. I think emotionally I'm going to be in a better place. I think psychologically as far as what I, my belief system and, and um, I think I'm going to be in a better place uh, just from a confidence standpoint of what I can accomplish. Um, I think my wife's going to be in a better place. I think that we're going to, um, you know, maybe even financially be in a better place. Um, it's going to be very interesting to find out. But... What happens if that investment blows up in my face, the market changes, and all of a sudden it's a terrible decision? This is always everybody's fear. And I know it's everybody's fears because people will always tell me when I'm doing shit like this, all, well, they're negative Nancys. They're always telling me the the bad things, not the good things. And so, let me scratch my ear here. Um What if it blows up in my face? Well, there's a possibility, but there's a saying, and I picked it up from, I can't remember where I picked it up. Um, It's something I've believed all my life, but this statement I heard somewhere, probably a podcast, but when you win, you win, when you lose, you learn, right? I mean, it's a very simple concept. A lot of people hear it, but a lot of people don't live by that. But I definitely do. You know, wise man once said, "It's better to regret the things you did instead of regretting the things you didn't do." And I and I uh, agree with that. I was married once before. A little off topic, but I'll bring it around. I was married before um, for a little, about a decade. Um it was a terrible, terrible marriage for the most part. I mean, of course, in the beginning, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, but very quickly, I found out that I was married to the wrong person, and I married for the wrong reasons, uh, and I, I truly believe she married me for the wrong reasons too. And um, I think both of us probably put our heads down and just try to get through it. Uh, definitely me more than her in the sense of, Um, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that it was not for the right reasons. But, you know, uh, society has a funny way of um, when you're a guy of um, giving you these social brownie points. If you stick with a woman that, um, you know, uh, stick it out and be a good family man and, and all that stuff. Right. And so. I guess my point is that I, I stuck it out as long as I could. Um, I was unhappy for, you know, probably five or six years of a 10-year marriage. Um, and when I say unhappy, I mean more or less miserable, especially the last couple of years. It was like... Um, to the point where you, you wonder if death is an alternative. And that is, I'm not uh, over-exaggerating. Uh, and if you've been in a bad marriage, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just think, how the fuck can I get out of this? And you go, oh, I drive my car off a bridge, you know? Um, but with that being said, when I got a divorce, it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. It was the pain of not um it wasn't like um breaking up with someone that you love or whatever else because i i really had no love for this person probably for you know 3 or 4 years i mean it, it, to the point where i didn't have like i had disdain and so that part wasn't hard it was you know she had kids i had stepkids um you know of course families and you you know i lived in a town where she you know kind of grew up and and so it was It was difficult socially. It was uh, difficult because she definitely didn't take it well because I'm the one who filed for divorce, so she kind of tried to ruin my life. Um, it was horrible. And then I uh, met my current wife uh, shortly after I was separated from my ex-wife, and, of course, that just blew things to a stratospheric fucking awkwardness of, you know, you can only imagine. It just, you know, in a small town, it just, it just kind of comes to a head. It was horrifying. It was horrible. It was terrible. Uh, so uncomfortable. Everything from wrecking my finances, credit, to not having a place to live, living in my car for a while. Um, just, you know, you know, like I said, dropped an atom bomb on my fucking credit score. Or so. Who gives a shit about a credit score? Well, when you can't get even get an apartment because you don't have a good enough credit score, it, then then that's when I realized, yeah, you kind of need one. Um, but, you know, it I wasn't that bad. I was able to get an apartment, but uh, I didn't have any furniture. I, I literally started over. I had the clothes from my closet, um, a few little knickknack trinkets, my army gear, and uh, that's a, really about it my car um, that wasn't paid for um, all the cars that were paid for that we had I signed them over to her but my point is even though that was one of the worst experiences of my 42 years on this planet um, that the end of that marriage and my divorce I would not go back and undo that if I had a time machine because all of that those 10 years that I was with that person no matter if it was good or when it started not to be good, or then when it was bad, and then when it was horrific. Those are all things that that taught me something about myself. Something about um, what I'm capable of, uh, what I'll tolerate, what uh, t- type of person that I turn out to be when adversity hits me. Um the things that I'll stoop to and the things that I won't stoop to. And you really find out your ethics and your morals real quick. And, um, I'm not a perfect human being, but by no stretch of the imagination, but I'm very proud of how I handled some of those situations. I'm very proud of, um, some of the things I didn't stoop to when the other person was trying to ruin me. Um, and at the end of the day, I, it, it really taught me to be resilient and to not give up and to never lose hope. It taught me that no matter how bad life can get, you can always springboard up. Um, I remember someone giving the analogy once is when you hit rock bottom, you got to think of yourself as like one of those super balls that you just get out of those gumball machines, you know, those little bouncy balls. The harder that you fall, when you hit rock bottom, you have more potential to bounce even higher back up. And so that's the analogy that I use is, yeah, I hit the bottom and had to kind of start over in a lot of aspects of my life. And, My wife and I, when we first met and we first started dating and we first decided to live together, only thing I could afford, I had this little apartment that was this little one bedroom apartment that was so fucking small. You have no idea how small this thing was in like a downtown office building. And I had no furniture or anything like that. And I had to buy, like we went shopping together to buy like forks and to buy like glasses and a frying pan and just slowly, slowly, slowly piecemealed my life back together. And now, all these years later, I have a house, uh, you know, nice car, you know, I got this nice computer I'm sitting in front of I'm on a nice desk. Everything that's in this house right now, I purchased or my wife purchased uh, us together. And it it really did shape the way that I see the world is, you know, material possessions and things like this microphone I'm talking into, it's so easily replaceable. I, I cannot even stress how insignificant all these material things are that are around me. They're easily replaceable. I was talking to a young kid the other day and, uh, or young lady. And she was having, she has having all kinds of money problems. She's just joined the military. Uh, she's 22 years old. She's in debt, you know, she's in between jobs. Um, she's, you know, in the national Guard, so it's just a one week in a month sort of thing. So it doesn't pay her bills. And I was kind of giving her a pep talk. And the first thing I told her is one, you know, no 22 year olds killing it for the most part you're supposed to struggle in your 20s that's just part of it and two I told her and it's hard to believe this because I was told this too when I was when I was her age and broke and in debt that the best problem to have if you could pick any problem to have in the world money problems are the uh, is the problem to have and this is why because out of all the problems, think about it. Every problem that you could have—that there's a there's a famine outbreak, right? Uh, you got diagnosed with cancer. Your father died. Your mother died. Your kid died. Uh, you found out that you're sterile or infertile, or you have some you know disease that's going to kill you six months from now, or you found out that uh, you have. Um, some kind of uh, you know disability or being kicked out of your house or the their government is is uh, going through a coup and and you're now a refugee uh, the plethora of problems a tsunami hitting your fucking little island there's a plethora of problems that are potential problems that can happen to you money problems are the easiest to fix because all they require is money if you have money, it's not a problem anymore. I mean, just think about that for a second. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a couple grand in debt and you're stressed about it and you're freaking out going, I, I don't know my, the this bill's due on Tuesday and I don't know how I'm going to fix it. Well, if somebody plopped a bag of cash on your front door, your problem just went away. It got fixed in, a, in, in one second. The second that you open the door and look in that bag and there's ten grand in there, your problems are gone. That particular problem is solved. But if you have cancer or tsunami just hit your island or, you know, your father died, well, that problem cannot be fixed so easily. It takes time and it takes a lot of effort. Money problems, for a lot of us, it does take time to earn money. It does, but my point is, that those things, if you put it in the right category in your brain, that's the problem that you want. Because as long as you're healthy, you have your wits about you, you have a work ethic. That that money problem is going is a temporary thing. But if you got cancer, it's not your choice. There's there's other things. I mean, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have the will to live, that cancer is going to kill you. Doesn't matter if you have money for treatment and all that other shit, you won't get through the chemo because it's just too hard. So money problems are, are the, are the problems to have. Now I don't like them either. I don't like, you know, I'm, that's one of the things I'm stressed out about right now, but it's a lot better than some of the alternative problems. So, um, you know, when I went through all that stuff and I had to rebuild my life, And I look back at it now, it doesn't scare me to lose stuff again. It doesn't scare me to go, okay, I got to downsize. I I have to do without because I've done with nothing. And um, it wasn't my divorce that really taught me that. It was, I got divorced shortly after I came back from Afghanistan. And when I was over there for a year, you want to talk about having nothing. I mean, I had nothing. I mean, I didn't even have running water over there. I I had a shit into a five gallon, um, barrel or one of those 50 gallon barrels that was like cut in half or cut in a third underneath uh, some plywood with a hole cut in it. That's what I shit into. And then some Afghan kid, we paid him a dollar to go burn that shit, you know, once a day or whatever. And that was nothing. And so living like that for an entire year of not having the modern conveniences of modern society uh, definitely gave me a, a new appreciation and perspective of everything from air conditioning to ice cubes to running water to filtered water to, um, you know, clean sheets to, uh, you know, birds singing in my front yard, grass, <laughs> green grass that you can lay on without scorpion coming and biting your taint. So, you know, that was an eye-opening experience for me. Uh, My divorce was another uh, important experience, but I wouldn't change any of those things. And so, um, when I talk about this move that I'm about to make, and I talk about all the stress, those things, even though they're not fun, and I'm not looking forward to going through them. It's, it's important. It's imperative. It's, um, it's something that I, I revel in the opportunity to go through those because when those problems present themselves, i got to figure out solutions. And it's just going to make me a better human being. It's going to make me more resilient, and it's going to make me more appreciative when I do have those good times. So, when I do have those days with my wife, where it's just me and her and the dogs, and we're, you know, spending time together, I really appreciate that time because I don't take it for granted when I know that there's so much adversity that I had to go through to get to those times, to get to those unstressful times. So, um, no, I don't regret doing this. I, quite the opposite. Um, and I don't even want to say I want to hurry up and get it done because I know I'm learning something from this process. And um, I don't want to regret not doing it. I'd I rather regret doing it, you know? It's better to regret doing it and saying, well, I man, I'm never going to do that again. But doing it the first time, you know, it's it, it, it builds character. I remember uh, listening to Joe Rogan. And I think he had Bill Burr on and he he's said it a couple times where he was talking about all these comedian friends. And he says, you know, the most interesting people that I know were fucked up, had fucked up upbringings in childhood, childhood. And I agree with that. I, I, I do agree that a certain level of uncomfortability early on uh, can can break you, but it could also build you into something that's that's extremely resilient and extremely strong. And so, um, you know, it's, it's like a, you, you almost want to, you know, my advice, if, if, uh, if there's any parents listening out there, and like I said, I'm, I'm not a parent. I was a step parent for, you know, a better part of a decade. Um, if, if you could open up your mind and take one piece of advice, and this is, 100% true how uh, I've parented in the past. But you have to be a safety net for your kids. But they can't know that that safety net is there. So they're walking on a tightrope. But when they look down, they can't see that safety net. Because if they see that safety net, they're going to probably take a lot of chances and not worry about falling as much. But if they don't think the safety net is there, they're going to be a lot more careful. And they're going to think things through a little bit more. And so when I say a safety net, I mean make sure that your kid's not homeless. Make sure that they're not um, incarcerated prison. I'm not talking about jail. Because if you have a kid that commits a crime and that cop puts him in handcuffs and takes him to jail, you should probably let him sit there for a couple days before you go bail him out. Because that will teach them a very valuable lesson. But I know parents that will do everything they can to make sure they you know, they get them out of that situation. They rescue them. Um, you got to let your kids struggle a little bit. you got to make them go through some tough times. And when I say tough times for a kid, I'm not talking about starving. I'm not talking about not having a roof over their head. I'm talking about they don't get new shit. They don't get nice shit. They don't get the cool stuff. What they get is, you know, my grandpa told me this when I lived with him. My, he, he would tell me, my job is to put a roof over your head and food in your belly. Other than that, I don't have to do shit. He didn't say that. But I'm paraphrasing because he, he didn't cuss. But that's exactly right. His job was to pay all the bills, keep a heated house and a roof over my head and food in the refrigerator but he wasn't buying me Nikes. He wasn't buying me fucking nice shit. He didn't make sure that I had a car, and uh, you know, when I was a, of driving age, he didn't make sure that I had nice clothes or any of that shit. I wore glasses when I was a kid, and if I broke them, I had to wait till the next year when I, you know, y- you got a new prescription, and I would have tape on those motherfuckers for sometimes nine months at a time. He didn't give a shit, you know. But it made it did make me go, oh, I, I got to make sure not to break these fucking glasses because I know I'm not going to get new ones. Where when my stepkids, when um, their phone would break, they'd get a brand new phone and the screen would fucking crack. Within a week, they had another one. So you think they're going to be careful with that phone when they know every time it breaks, they're getting another one? I had a kid come into my office the other day, a young kid in the Army, And um, I was looking at his phone, and I was, uh, um, I can't remember, I think I was getting a number out of his phone, and and he had a brand new iPhone 7, and it already had a crack across the screen. And I'm thinking to myself, I've had every iPhone since the iPhone 4, I think, was the first one I got, and now I have the 6. I don't have the 7 yet. And I've had countless cell phones before then. I've never once cracked my screen, not one time. And I I do think it's a generational thing where there's so many kids now, they're just they just take for granted that that phone in his pocket cost 800 bucks, but because of the way that our system works, you can get it for, you know, you're you're paying an extra $5 on your bill or $10 on your bill and you get this $800 fucking phone. And it just does not Really sting you the way that it should when a when you crack a screen on an eight hundred dollar phone. Our life is like that now. Is we have so many things that that fix problems very make make problem solving simplistic. Remember when I said money problems are the easiest things to fix? Well, same way with those iPhones. It's like hey, I'll just trade in for another one, or a I get a new one every you know couple years, or. Oh, all I got to do is say it was lost and pay $50 and get another one, whatever. And there's so many things built in the system that make things easy. So no matter if you're a parent or like me, where you're just a single person, you have to build adversity into your life because life, uh, depending on how where you fall into that, um, you know, if you're a executive or well-established person that, you know, makes good money and stuff like that. You have to build some adversity into your life. You have to challenge yourself. And by no means am I saying that everyone's life out there is easy. What I'm saying is you have to make challenges for yourself and so when you have that adversity, you don't take the easy route. You you're you you don't look forward to that adversity, but you're not scared, you're not shy, you're not you're not intimidated by it. Um, the last thing I'll say before um, before I kind of sum up this podcast is I didn't have it all figured out when I decided to move, when I first had the notion of, of I'm going to move. I didn't know how it was going to work. I didn't even know where I was going to go. And I took a job in a state, in a city that I've never even set foot in when I took it. I've set foot in it now but when I accepted the job I never I never was there and I can't tell you how many people told me how stupid I was and I've never understood the thought that you are dumb to do something that you've never done before Because it, when you think about it, where would you be in your life if you're listening to this right now? Where would you be if whatever you do in your life, no matter if it's a hobby like scuba diving or skydiving, or it's something you do for a job, you know, you're a mechanic, you're a entrepreneur. Just imagine if you never done that one thing, never tried it. And I've never understood what people's fear of something not working. Like it's a life sentence. I understand if somebody says, well, I don't know that I want to jump off this fucking cliff into that pool because I don't know how deep it is. I understand that. But I don't understand if I'm trying to think of an analogy I don't understand the thought of not doing something that you know isn't going to kill you isn't going to destroy you it just might be uncomfortable it might not work out exactly the way that you planned it or wanted it I don't understand why people the older they get the less likely they are to challenge themselves and to try new things. I'm almost 43. I'll be 43 next month. In about three weeks, I'll be 43. And And I can't imagine. Can't imagine that. You need to always challenge yourself. And when I say challenge yourself, I mean... Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of that mindset that it always has to be comfortable. There is nothing wrong than living in the same town and being around the same friends and family for your whole life. But there is something wrong with it if you want something else. If you want some diversity, you want some new experiences, because they're not going to just happen. You have to make them happen. And so this journey that I'm on, you know, I signed a three-year contract to, to work up there. So I have no, no idea if it's gonna be great or it's gonna be terrible. But I can get through it. You can, you can get through some uncomfortability. It doesn't have to work out perfectly. Like people I know, I I trade in cars a lot. People are like, well, well, what was wrong with the car you just traded in? Nothing. I loved it. Uh, Have you ever driven this car before? I I remember I bought a car once online. I didn't even test drive it. And they're like, well, what if you didn't like it? Well, I didn't sign a fucking, you know, I didn't sign a blood contract with the devil that for eternity I have to drive this fucking car. But people are so afraid of the unknown, of, oh, my God, what if it's uncomfortable? Then, then you work that much harder to rectify that and maybe not make that decision again, but take chances in another area. But you learn something from those things, people. You learn from adversity because you can't really achieve much if you don't really want it. And why? And, and that, that's it's such a cliche that you really got to go for it, you got to really want it. Well, what does that mean, want it? Well, that means that you're willing to go through some struggle because that's what wanting it is. People think, well, I really want this, so I'm going to go and do it, and it's going to be fun the whole time. No, it's going to be stressful, and it's going to hurt, and there's going to be pain. And if you're chasing your dreams and you don't break down in tears at least one time, you're you're not really chasing it hard enough. You know, there's that old ancient Chinese proverb where a young student was trying to get this technique down um, with um, this this Zen master, right? Well, it wasn't Zen because Zen's Chinese or Japanese, and this is a Chinese proverb. But whatever. Okay, this this um, this Chinese Kung Fu master had a young student that was trying to get this technique down. And he said he wanted to be the best martial artist ever. And he practiced and practiced and practiced. But he just wasn't, he just didn't have the desire to push through the pain to push through the adversity to push through the uncomfortability to truly let himself go and just let go of all inhibitions and just throw himself into his meditation his practice his his all of his uh, techniques And the master took him to the beach and said, I will show you what it will take to become a master. Do you truly want to be a Kung Fu master? And the student says, yes, master, of course. I will do anything because I want it so bad. And he said, how much do you want it? Because the only way that you can achieve this and see if you you want it the absolute most, if you want it more than you've wanted anything. He goes, I want it the most I've ever wanted anything. And he says, okay, walk into the water with me. So the master takes the young student into the water and he says, okay, how bad do you want it? He says, more than anything. He said, okay, close your eyes and put your face down by the water. And I want you to listen. And I'm going to explain to you what it's going to take for you to achieve what you desire. And the young student says, okay, I trust you, master. So he closes his eyes. He puts his face right by the water where the waves every once in a while brush his cheek. And that master grabs him by the back of the head. And thrusts his face right into the ocean and holds him there, drowning him. The student is thrashing and gurgling, sucking water into his lungs. And right before he's about to drown, the master lets him up. And that guy, that that young student gasps for air. <laughs> And that Kung Fu master says, right there. That's what you need. That is how you achieve your desires and your dreams. Is you have to want it as bad as you wanted that breath of air. When you can want what you are chasing as much as you wanted to breathe when you were underwater, then you will achieve it. You have to be comfortable in the uncomfortability. You have to want it knowing, knowing you're gonna have struggles. And as far as my life goes, I don't even know what I'm chasing sometimes. I just know that the journey for me is more important than the destination because that's where I'm learning stuff. You're learning, you know, think about school. If you're trying to get your bachelor's degree, you don't learn anything on graduation day. That's the destination. You learn in those years leading up to graduation day. It's the journey that teaches us everything that we need to know. So why stop the journey? Well, my journey I felt like has been stopped for a couple of years so I'm embarking on a new journey. And I encourage my listeners to tune in and hear the, the chronicling of me putting my money where my mouth is is I have no idea how it's going to turn out. I have no idea if it's going to be good or bad, but you can listen throughout this journey and find out because this isn't something grand. Like I'm trying to be an astronaut. I'm trying to be, um, make it to the NFL. I'm trying to, be a a huge box office star in Hollywood. This is something that everyday people can achieve. This is something that everyday Americans, just regular people with regular jobs can do. And this is the biggest reason why I do this podcast is for you guys, the everyday regular people just like me. Because we have a very bad uh, reputation for challenging ourselves, following our dreams. Because people like to dream big, but that kind of lets you off the hook sometimes. Because if I say, I want to do this, it's so far in the future, it's because it's so grand, it's so big. That you're constantly, you can, it's easy to put it off and it's even easier not to achieve it and you have a built-in excuse. But when it's something achievable, when it's something that is not sexy, it's not something, you know, like, you know, I'm going to go to Fiji one day, right? It's no, I'm going to Wyoming and I'm going to live there. Not only is that not sexy, but to most people, it's just like, okay, why? And just like this major came up to me and says, why do you want to move to Wyoming? And I said, sir, this is why I'm successful and you're not. Because you ask why, and I ask why not. And that sounds very cliche, because it is, but it's there's a lot of truth into that statement. Is why not? is, yeah, it's not sexy, yeah, it's not, but but I'm throwing it out there. People go, well, that's easy to achieve, okay. Then then I challenge you to try to achieve what you're going after. This is what I'm going after, and I'm going to achieve it, yes. But I want to achieve happiness and contentment as well. I want to some level of success, and I want my life a year from now to be better than what it is now. I got to take a step back to be able to take a couple steps forward. And so that's what I'm doing. Don't be afraid to challenge yourself to do something that's just like that. And why am I moving there? Because, you know, I hear people all the time say, well, I've been there. And then they give their opinion about it. Well, being somewhere and living somewhere, two separate things. If you want a true experience, you need to try to live there. I learned that in Afghanistan. I learned it when I was in Italy. Um, I have visited some places before, like Las Vegas. I love it. But I don't really know Las Vegas until I live there. And I haven't, and I probably never will. But my point is that it's, it's different. You can't say, well, I've been to Vegas three times. This is what it's like. I remember my ex-wife when we went overseas. Um, she's like, "Oh, I'd love to live here," and I'm like, "We're we're visiting. We don't have jobs to go to. We're not paying bills. Where every day is going to cafes and going to you know uh, museums and sightseeing. This isn't real life." And it was so bothersome to me that someone could be so naive to think that that's what their life would be like. And then we talked to somebody that's lived there for 10 years that moved there from Canada. And he said, yeah, it's beautiful, but <laughs> trust me, it's not easy to live over here. The government's corrupt. Everything's fucking slow. You call because your internet's broke. Six weeks later, somebody comes and fixes it. Um, you know, there's a plethora of problems. I'm not saying that to dissuade you, but you cannot get in your head that you've experienced something just by kind of looking from the outskirts. You got to kind of throw yourself into the deep end, and then that experience is something worth um, chronicling and and talking about. So I haven't done a podcast. This is my first one in a couple weeks, but that's because I want content for this podcast. I want content from what, what I'm talking about. People, you gotta get out and live life. Don't stagnate. Don't get into patterns of behavior uh, that are unfulfilling. If you get into that, like I have been many times in my life, you gotta pull yourself out of it every once in a while and just come up with a new challenge. I'm Johnny Doe, an Everyday American. And so I'm proud when I say, hey, I stopped drinking NAS because it was a challenge because it was hard to do. And so I can brag about it and no one else, it, it's insignificant to them, but I know how much of an achievement it was because it was hard. And it's a different kind of hard than traveling to the moon, but it's still hard nonetheless. And I'm going to chronicle my journey, uh, trying to move all this shit and my dogs and my wife Wyoming and start a new life there and maybe you can learn something from it because I know I will I know I'm going to learn something about myself and that's what life is about is learning about you learning about what you can do and what you can't do what your limitations are and where you can grow and uh, that's an exciting thing so thank you for tuning in Thank you for listening. I'm sorry that I haven't uploaded one in a while. Hopefully you got through the first uh, 10 minutes of this, the craziness of uh, me not knowing how to ever start a podcast. But please support this podcast. Uh, I don't have any uh, donations. I don't have a website that you can make donations. I don't have Patreon. I don't have, um, you know, I have no way of monetizing this. I don't have advertisers and I don't want them. Okay. When I say supporting this, just uh, with interaction, with conversations, with somebody maybe going, hey, I liked your podcast. That's it. I don't need anything else than that. Um, If you want to leave a comment, leave a comment. I don't care if you do it on fucking iTunes or not because That shit's irrelevant to me. It doesn't matter. It's just a vanity thing because it's never going to get enough comments to make a fucking difference. Um, But if it's from the heart and and you really want to leave a comment, good or bad, do it. Go for it. Um, But feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter. A foot podcast is my Twitter handle. Um, You know, just shoot me a text. Shoot me a message just saying that you're a listener. Uh, Go to the website if you're wanting... um, you know, general information about this podcast. Um, all the episodes are there. Make sure to go back and listen to the ones that you haven't listened to. Um, afootpodcast.com is the website, or afootpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you might have already emailed me because, you know, I made that email and I don't ever even check it. So um, I'm a very casual person when it comes to this podcast. I just don't give a shit about... Um, like all the normal, like subscribe, share it with your friends, whatever. I I don't care about that. Um, if, if people find it and like it, of course that's my goal. That's awesome. But I just, I'm not going to be begging anybody to promote something just to promote it. You know, um, if somebody likes something like, um, I love Bill Burr's podcast. I love Joe Rogan's podcast. I love like uh, the Sheepdog podcast, uh, the Jocko podcast. Um, those podcasts, I don't have to, um, no one told me to tell somebody about them. I just did. Uh, Stay the Course podcast was probably the most recent one that I came across that uh, you know, I told my wife about and said, hey, listen to this. No one told me to. No one messaged me and, and did that. Um, if you're one of those annoying motherfuckers on Twitter that as soon as I follow you, send me a message to fucking go leave you a comment and, and fucking fuck you, man. I'm not going to leave you a comment just to leave it. Just fucking do your own shit and make it good. If this is a dog shit podcast, then I don't expect somebody to do me a solid and leave a fucking comment. Everybody that has listened to this, that has not left a comment. That's not your fault. That's my fault that it hasn't been good enough to inspire you to want to do that. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think if I ever left a comment on Joe Rogan's or uh, Bill Burton. I love those podcasts. I've probably listened to easily hundreds from those two people and I still haven't left a comment. So you're not, I'm not offended that someone won't leave a fucking comment. Who the fuck leaves comments? (laughs) You know, I mean, I, I mean, I watch YouTube videos nonstop. I never leave fucking comments. Who gives a shit about the fucking comments? What I care about is if you're if you're listening and getting something out of it. That's it. You know, I don't care if I know about it or not. You don't have to tell me what you what you liked or what you didn't like. It's out there. Whatever. It's just one of my fucking. It's, it's one of my things. It's just uh, the this whole uh, vanity shit of that people do of make, you know, juice my fucking numbers up. You know, I look at the analytics on my, on my website just to know, but I look at literally once a month. I don't give a shit. I don't care how many fucking followers I have or any of that other uh, shit. You know, you, you care, but you don't, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't, I don't want it just to like As soon as I, I'll follow somebody on Twitter and they instantly send me a fucking, Hey, go to my page and support this. And, And, um, here's my Patreon. As soon as I see that shit, I instantly fucking unfollow them. I'm like, nope, sorry. I'm not going to just, you know, this is like a pyramid scheme. I follow people that are, that I'm interested in following. Maybe they have something, a podcast I like or some content or something. But once you just get into the fucking sales of just like, I'm going to sell you something, man, I can't do it. You know, I got, I got a job that I deal with all that fucking shit. I don't, I don't want to do it in my, in my personal stuff. So I'm not going to do it with this, uh, with this podcast. Um, I I have friends, I know hundreds of people that I've never even told that I do a podcast, let alone told them to, uh, listen to it, download it, leave a comment because I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want the false bullshit just leave me a comment just to leave a comment and try to make it look better than it is if if I get 10 comments that are one star I'll laugh my fucking ass off I don't give a shit you're not hurting me by doing that I'm not losing any money because I'm not making any money so what do I fucking care you know I just don't give a shit so um I dare somebody out there to fucking leave a one-star comment (laughs) and watch how how little shits that I fucking give so uh but anyway thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. And, uh, the best way you can support this is by going out and, um, set an example in your own life and just, and just be your own person, do your own thing, no matter if it's doing a podcast, doing a YouTube channel, um, you know, just being a good father, mother, employees, son, daughter, whatever, just, just, enhancing your life and trying to maximize your potential in the world and whatever aspect that you want to do and um you know it's uh if you believe what i believe you you got one shot at this life make the most of it so till next time everybody thanks for tuning in later